Morning, Granite Creek. Okay, let's try. Really? Come on, let's try. Good morning, Granite Creek. Oh, that's good. We had to do it three times with the first service. I think we need to do IV drips for all of them because, man, they were just like, morning, good morning, good morning. Okay, well, it's a, it's a double sister morning for me, so praise the Lord for coffee is all I have to say. Well, I hope you guys have had a great week. Um, I had an interesting week. I was so busy in my own head and, like, busy, too. I forgot to pick my daughter up. I figure if I say this enough times, God will forgive me, and my daughter won't have to go to therapy. Cause... So I'm in Costco, and I'm trying to get food for Thursday night dinner because we have the college and young adult Bible study here, and we eat dinner together. Like, I make dinner, and we all eat together before we do Bible study. So I was... I was I thought, oh, I got some extra time to kill. So I got my cart filled with, like, you know, like dairy products and chicken, like stuff that you have to refrigerate. And I noticed that her school's calling, so I'm like, oh, I wonder what that's about. So I pick it up, and it's the teacher, but she's tried to call me five times, and I've missed her calls. And it's like, I look, and it's like a half an hour past when I'm supposed to pick her up. So I was just, I, like, tried to be a good citizen and get all my stuff from the cart and throw it in some refrigeration area at Costco. And then I ran out of there real quick and got my daughter. But the sad thing is when I went to go go pick her up, I'm like, I'm so sorry, honey. I'm I'm so sorry. She goes, it's okay. I'm used to it by now. (laughs) You know, it's funny because when Josh and I were, you know, you know, when we were married and we talked about having kids, I was like, I will never forget my child. How do you forget your child? Oh, my gosh. Precious cargo. And, I, and this is like the, okay, this is just the tree of truth here. I think I've, this is my fourth time I've done this. Anywho, all right, let's move. Let's get to spiritual stuff. Okay. So, okay, so last Sunday was Easter Sunday. Pastor Josh talked about, do you remember? I hope you remember. How Jesus died on the cross, he resurrected, right? And can we get that verse up, the uh, John 16, 7, right? So Jesus comes, he dies, he resurrects, and his disciples are like, oh, no, he's dying. What the heck, right? And then Jesus, he comes back, and he's like, I'm not going to stay here forever, though. Can you imagine his disciples? They were like, what? But Jesus is like, no, 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 I got a far better deal for you right now. I got a better deal. Because I have to leave. I'm going to leave. But when I leave, things, I'm going to leave you with a counselor. And um, so let's read this. But I tell you the truth. This is Jesus, once again, speaking to his disciples. So John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Can you imagine the disciples? Like, this is a man you have followed. You gave up your livelihood for. You transformed your lifestyle to, to walk with this man, to learn from this man. Right? So you give everything up, and he's like, guess what? I'm leaving for good. What? You just took the training wheels off the bike, and you're saying, go be a BMX racer? What? Okay, so that's what, so, okay. He's like, but wait, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, so we look at this, and we think, oh, counselor, isn't that cute? Somebody that's like, oh, it's going to be okay. How do you feel? Talk to me about how you feel. How are you feeling today? The idea in the Greek does not come across. This is not a camp counselor. This is not a counselor that's like, lay down on my couch. Let's, how do you feel? How does that feel when you don't get to have chocolate ice cream every night? Like, that's not the kind of counselor. This type of counselor in the Greek, the idea is um, like an advocate. 
like an attorney. It's got a legal connotation to it. And it's somebody that goes to bat on your behalf. Okay? So that's the kind of counselor that we're talking about. Not some lily-livered, not that counselors are lily-livered, but it's not a, we get this connotation of somebody that's like warm and fuzzy and like, oh, it's going to be, like, like the snuggly bear from those commercials about the laundry detergent and the clothes softener. It's not that kind of counselor. It's not somebody that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. This is a counselor that's like, I'm going to go to the mat for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contend for you. And sometimes that means contending against yourself. When you're like, oh, I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I'm here to fight for you as Jesus sees you. And I'm here to contend against Satan for you too. So that's the kind of counselor we're talking about. Okay. So Jesus is trying to communicate this to the disciples. And notice he says, but I tell you the truth. And maybe you're saying, well, of course he's saying I tell you the truth because he's Jesus, right? He can't tell a lie. But what we're missing here is that when it says I tell you the truth, Jesus has, with these, this, this group of people, he's, they have eaten together, they have slept together, they've been tossed in prison together, they've run away from crazy crowds together. So they know that he speaks truth. But it's like he's shining the spotlight and saying, if you hear anything that I have to say, listen to this. This is important. Get this. Understand this. Okay, so he's trying to tell them, it's going to be okay. I'm going to leave, but you're going to be okay, and it's actually going to even be better. What? You died on the cross, and you resurrected, and you're going away again? What's up? I want a refund on the movie ending. I don't like this. All right. So that's we're going to talk about the counselor, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, in our culture, we kind of have one of three reactions. Um, first of all, it's like the supernatural world has become entertainment, right? There's all these shows on about the supernatural, right? There's the Ghost Hunters. And if you watch Ghost Hunters, I'm not, I like to watch like Monsters in America and Finding Bigfoot. So I'm not, I'm not raining on your parade. But I'm saying that we have a preoccupation. The supernatural has become entertainment for us. Okay, so there's ghost hunters, right? There's a um, Long Island medium. There's a celebrity ghost story, right? And um, then there's the, did I say the paranormal movie series, right? So we just, it's like fun for us to watch. It's entertaining. It's like, ooh, we like to be scared, okay? So there's that reaction to the supernatural and spirits. There's another reaction where we're like, okay, there's a, I'm going to try and keep a straight face because I don't want to be disrespectful. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm a junior high boy on the inside, so bear with me. Okay, so there is a reality show that was done about this Kentucky preacher. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't do this the first. Okay. He was a snake handler, and they did a TV show about him. Okay, and he was this Pentecostal snake handler, and I'm all for Pentecostals. I married into a family of Pentecostals. But he got bit and he died. <laughs> uh, like on, I don't think they showed him dying on the show, but that was what he did. He was like, I get filled with the Spirit and I handle snakes. God gives us authority over that. Well, he got bit and he died from a snake bite. Okay, so we look at that and we go, I am distancing myself. From, that's ridiculous. That's not what I'm into. That's not the supernatural. That's not the Holy Spirit I'm into, right? Or we have a third reaction where, because we live in a post, 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 post modern rationalist society, right? We got ruined uh, by Descartes, right? You know, and who, he's the one that said, I think, therefore I am, right? Is that right? Yes? Yes? Okay. Right? And 
Plato and Socrates and all those guys, right? Okay, so, so we take the rationalist Western approach where we're like, if it's logical, I'll do it. If you can prove it to me, one plus two equals three, sign me up. I'll sign on the dotted line. So we have one of those three reactions typically. Well, how does that figure in with the Holy Spirit? Because, can we get the picture of Casper up? I think a lot of times when I say Holy Spirit, we think of something like this, right? We think of the Holy Spirit is like the mysterious, spooky, mist-filled part of God. We're like, ooh, you know? But that's not what he is. And I said he, not in it, and we'll get into that in a second. You know, we think that the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, that's like, that's like a foofy Christian stuff, right? That's like icing on the spiritual cake for us because we got to be more concerned with Bible study and devotions and feeding the poor and helping out at the food bank and doing devotionals at night with our children and saying prayers before we eat our meal and all this stuff, which is how it should be. It's good. But guess what? Without the Holy Spirit, you have none of that. It is empty, clinging symbols. So that's why we're going to look into why we need to grasp and have a good understanding of the theology of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now shake it off. Sometimes I help in Sophia's class with their first graders, and they're so wiggly that mommy comes out and I'm twitching. But so I just want us to go like this, because I said theology of the Holy Spirit, maybe you're like, you just, maybe I lost you and your eyes just glaze over. So we're going to just do shake. Shake it out. Work with me. Come on. Come on, everybody. Come on. I don't see people shaking. Just shake it off. Okay. We're okay. We're going to do this. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're good. We're good. Did I lose anybody? No. Okay. All right, let's, let's go on. All right. So basically, our concept of the Holy Spirit and American evangelicalism is very limited, and we have a very superficial view of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer, who is, uh, I would encourage you to read all of his stuff. He is amazing, an amazing theologian that writes truths that are just so deeply Sat, they saturate your soul. You're just like, oh. So this is from A.W. Tozer uh, from his book called The Idea of the Spirit. The idea of the spirit held by the average church member is so vague as to be nearly non-existent. When he thinks of the matter, he, the average or she, average church goer, um, when he thinks of the matter or she thinks of the matter at all, he is likely to try and imagine a nebulous substance like a wisp of invisible smoke that is said to be present in churches and to hover over good people when they are dying. Right? And if we're going to be honest, maybe some of you guys have, you know, just had incredible experiences with the Holy Spirit, and I commend you. But I think on the whole as a church, it's supernatural, it's a ghost or a spirit, and we're uncomfortable with that. So we don't deal with it. We don't delve into it. But I'm going to show you as we go through this, Holy Spirit is, is God Almighty, and he is deserving of our honor. He is deserving of our praise. He is deserving of our submission. He is deserving of having a pro the prominent place in our hearts. All right, so these are just for those of you that are like, I need to take notes. I, I need to be organized, Mako, because you're not organized. You're all over the place. Okay, so this is what we're going to cover. Um, why having a doctrine of the Holy Spirit is important. Number two, the deity of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, how the Holy Spirit is God. The personhood of the Holy Spirit. In other words, why the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And the application. So it's great. Okay, so we've talked about the theology of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So what? What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what you're supposed to do with that. 
All right. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> All right. So why is understanding the doctrine of the Holy Spirit important? Because I think a lot of times, right, we press into God, like, like prayer time here. And let me just tell you guys this. Like, okay, I'm a theology nerd. Like, I'm, I'm married into a family of Pentecostals. I'm sure they're like, oh, God. But, like, so I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a great prayer person. And, like, like, I'll stand and worship and just be like this. And maybe the extent of what I do is like this, right? <laughs> but when I study, I read commentaries. Like, when I was preparing for this, I was bawling. Because it was like the Holy Spirit was like, yes, yes, this is it. I want you to communicate this. I want people to get that I am a person. Get me, get me, understand me. And I was just sitting there and I was writing my notes and I was just bawling. Like I have notes. I have just have like, I have tons of notes on the Holy Spirit. There is so much information. But I don't want to remain information. I want it to become wisdom for you guys. All right. Okay, so a lot of times we're like, Holy Spirit, come do this. Holy Spirit, give me, you know, wisdom or Holy Spirit, help me understand this. So we want the benefits of the Holy Spirit, right? But without asking the Holy Spirit, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's talk. It's like, it would be, it's like the equivalent if um, Josh, who's my hot spouse, <laughs> I got him back. I got him back. <coughs> if I was like, let's, you know, we'll start dating, but <clears throat> Let's do stuff. And we started to do stuff. And he'd be like, oh, this reminds me of the time when I was younger and my parents took me sailing. Da, da, da. I'd be like, I don't want to hear that. Let's just concentrate on the sailing. Or we want, went and got food. And he's like, oh, my mom used to make this dish. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I was like, I just want to do stuff together. But we're dating, and part of dating is getting to know each other. But I, I, just, I, just, I just want to do stuff together. Don't tell me about you. I'm not interested. And that's what we do with the Holy Spirit. We're like, Holy Spirit, fill us, indwell us, give us wisdom, help us to heal. But we don't sit and get to know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is co-eternal, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. And we will get into that in a second. So, the Holy Spirit is the connectedness. He is the congruence. He is the kinship between the Trinity and humanity. You understand that? So he is, Holy Spirit's here, or the Godhead here, and we're humanity. There's something called um, Karl Barth, who was this German theologian who stood up to the Nazis. Awesome. <laughs> he wrote this entire theology, and his whole thing was that God is completely and utterly distinct from humanity. There is no way to bridge the gap between the triune God in humanity. The only way that that could happen was Jesus' death on the cross and he created the bridge. Well, guess who's the bridge? The Holy Spirit is the bridge. And so I think, you know, he's not obviously a literal bridge, but he's the point of connectivity. He's like the hub. And if he's the hub, we need to get to know him. All right, so this might throw your head for a spin, but just hang with me. Okay, we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit right now. Now, let me qualify that. So we had Easter, right, last Sunday. Jesus died on the cross, redeemed the world. He resurrected. 
hung out on the, the earth for 40 days and then ascended. Where is Jesus right now? Heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, right? Okay, so Jesus did his job. He did his work, right? Okay. God the Father is also up in heaven, and it's not like they're remote, distant, and they're just like, okay, I did everything. I'm off the clock. <laughs> I'm having an eternal coffee break, okay? But their work is done. Jesus, uh, and the, you don't have to get the verse up, but in the verse in, in John 16:7 says, I'm going to send you a comforter, a counselor. And the Holy Spirit right now, this is kind of his, this is his game. He's over the entire world, over the earth. He's, as Christ followers, when we accept Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, okay, I'm taking up residence here. So, and if we read scripture, we could be here for a week solid going over the work of the Holy Spirit. And I could show to you verse by verse. That would be kind of fun. I'd like to do that because I'm a nerd, but I'm sure you guys have other stuff to do. But I could show you how the work of the Holy Spirit, how this is really the age of the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. All right. So, why this is important, too, to learn about the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who is the Son of God, right, the Son of God was completely dependent, utterly dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. He did nothing on his own power. And it wasn't because Jesus was weak sauce or he's like, Ugh. you know, uh, Pastor Josh has talked about this. We see portrayals of Jesus. And he's kind of like, oh, <laughs> you know, he's like, he talks in this really soft voice. And <clears throat> Jesus was a carpenter, first of all, and he got stuff done. Okay, so Jesus is like manly. He was a carpenter. I'm sure he wasn't like, excuse me, can, um, come here. No. And he was God incarnate. Okay? God incarnate and this really manly man, right, that made stuff with his bare hands. Yet, he was utterly dependent on the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go over some verses real quick. Uh, Jesus was conceived by the Spirit, Matthew 1.20. He was empowered for ministry by the Spirit, Luke 3.21. Uh, he taught the Bible gained, um, uh, from insight gained from the Holy Spirit, Luke 4.14. He was physically led to go places by the Spirit. Spirit was like, no, don't go here, go here. Let's go into the wilderness. This is going to be fun. Um, he was empowered to heal by the Spirit, Luke 4.18. Jesus didn't do a single miracle until he was baptized by the Spirit. So here's my point. If the Son of God, God himself, was so utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit, don't you think it behooves us to stop and say, who is the Holy Spirit? How was it that Jesus was so dependent on the Holy Spirit, and how can I do that too? <coughs> All right. Okay, so we're going to move on now to the deity of the Holy Spirit. And deity of the Holy Spirit uh, basically means that this, the Spirit is God himself. It's not like there's Jesus, who's God, and there's God the Father, and then there's the Holy Spirit, the butler. Because <laughs> I think a lot of times we think that, right? We're like, oh, the Holy Spirit's just going to help Jesus and God the Father. No! Holy Spirit is God himself. Okay, and I, let me just say this real quick, too. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'll save it for later. So let's put a mental pin in it real quick. And we'll get back to that point. Okay. A.W. Tozer, once again, a great theologian, said, the Holy Spirit is deity, not entity. Let me repeat that. The Holy Spirit is deity, not entity. Holy Spirit's not this wispy ghost. He is a person. He's got all of the traits and attributes of a person. He's not human, but he is a person. All right. Okay, so let's look at this, how the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. In Acts chapter 5, right, (coughs) Peter is talking to this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, right? They're members of the church. They seem like great, upstanding folks, right? And um, they sell property, and they're like, we're going to, here's our tithe. Here's what we're going to give to the church. Well, guess what they do? They, they hold some of it back. And Peter's like, what's up with that? You lied. You lied. You lied to God. And God kills them on the spot. So don't lie to God. <laughs> All right, let's read this. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You should underline Holy Spirit right there, and I'll tell you why in a sec. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. (coughs) Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Underline God. Here's what's going on. There is a parallelism in this text here which is equivocating the Holy Spirit with God. Do you understand that? So it does not say, uh, it's okay to lie to the Holy Spirit. That's okay. But to God, ooh, you better watch out because God will zap you on the spot. It is saying, these two verses are saying that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is co-eternal. He is made of the same substance as God the Father and God the Son. He is not a second-class citizen to God the Father and God the Son. He is He is on equal footing with God the Father and God the Son. Okay? All right, let's move on. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. Let's look at John uh, 14, 16 through 18. And if if you're tuning out for any other time, just try and, this, this is the one place where I want you to tune in with me and track with me. Okay, John 14, 16 through 18. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Remember, they're like freaking out because they're like, you're going to leave again? What? This is what he says to them. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, underline another, and I'll tell you why in a sec. Surprise. Counselor, and we talked about what the word counselor means, to be with you forever. Forever. Interesting. Not for this age or not until I come back again forever. That's eternity. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Sorry, hairball, man. Okay, this is what I want us to get. I had you underline in verse 16 the word another. And maybe we look at it and we go, yeah, okay. Another big deal. Whoop-de-doo. But in the Greek, you know me, I like my words. There's two words in the Greek for another. Heteros, which means another of a different kind, and aulos, 
A-L-L-O-S, which means another of the same kind. Well, guess which one it is? Another is saying, I will give you another of the same kind. Jesus is like, I will go away. But in my place, I'm going to leave for you another of the same kind. Well, guess what just happened there? Jesus is equivocating the Holy Spirit with himself. You get that? You get the importance of that? The Holy Spirit is not, uh, I'm going to go take a coffee break and uh, let the Holy Spirit work with you guys. Jesus is like, I am leaving another of the same kind. So it's like if I said, I was eating apples, right? I should have brought a bigger bowl, dang it. I was eating an apple. I'm like, this is good fruit. And I finish it off, okay, and I eat it. I'm like, oh, this is, can I have another, please? And you're like, sure. Here's a lemon. It's another of a different kind. It's another piece of fruit of a different kind, right? But let's say I like to eat lemons, and I know people just have different appetites, so maybe you eat lemons. I don't know, maybe you're just like, ooh, I'm a good lemon to bite into, right? I'm eating the lemon. Mm, this is great. I polished this one off. Can I have another one? Yes. Here's another lemon. Allos, another of the same kind. It is the same thing. Okay? And that's what Jesus is stating here. The Holy Spirit is God. He is of the same kind as Jesus is. All right? All right. The Holy Spirit is not good vibrations sent out from God the Father. <laughs> oh, thank you, Brenda. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you very much. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm starting a collection up here. <laughs> okay. So it's not like he is God the Father, and then he slips behind a veil. He's like, okay, now I'm God the Son. And he slips back. He's like, oh, I'm God the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not like the Holy Spirit is one of the different hats that God wears. Okay? That's called modalism, and that's heresy, which was uh, just was denounced by the early church pretty early on. They said, no, and I know, trust me, I know this is tricky. Okay, because you have the Shema, remember? Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is. Is it three or one? One, right? The Lord your God is one. What, Mako, you're saying that there's three persons in the triune Godhead, but God is one. What's going on? If you have questions, Pastor Larry, can you raise your hand? <laughs> Pastor Larry, can you <laughs> come see Pastor Larry after the service, and he is going to explain the Trinity to you. <laughs> Sorry, that's a big bus I just threw you under, huh? Okay, <laughs> So the Trinity is one God, but they're three persons as a part of the God. And I think, honestly, I don't think it's going to fully make sense to us until we're up in heaven. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, now I get it. I get it now. Got it. It just it doesn't make sense to our finite minds, and I'm not that talented to explain it to you well enough. So in the meantime, please go see Pastor Larry after the service if you have questions on how the Trinity works. Okay. But so just it's important because there are some churches that are like, well, you know, there's this guy, God, and he just acts like, you know, like moms. Like those of you who are moms, raise your hand, right? Okay, so um, we wear a lot of hats, right? So we're like taxi driver, we're like encourager, we're like stain remover, we're personal chef, 
we're entertainer, we're, we're, we, you know, we're medical person, sometimes, we do all these things, right? We wear all these different hats. Well, that's not how it is with God, the Trinity. There is one God, but three distinct persons, and the Holy Spirit is one of those people, one of those persons. All right, okay, so let's move on now. I think I beat that horse enough. <laughs> okay, so we can assert that the Holy Spirit is God because he possesses the qualities and the attributes of God. Now, there is a whole laundry list of the attributes of God, which we are not going to get into right now because we'd be here for probably a week solid. <laughs> no potty breaks. <laughs> but one of the qualities, and, and let me just tell you, this is like, I'm, I'm just trying to pick up the highlights to share with you guys. This is deep, deep, deep stuff. And there are godly men, because they're mainly men, that wrote libraries on just the Holy Spirit. So this is a huge topic. So um, I, I would encourage you, if you're interested in this topic, to delve into this study by yourself. There's great books out here, out there, like The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. <clears throat> he breaks it down and keeps it very simple. And like, because I was like, oh, okay, that's what that means. Okay, I understand it now. So, but I, ju I just want to put that out there. All right. So one of the attributes of God, the triune God, is that he is omniscient, which means that he knows and perceives all things. There's never something where God gets to and he's like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? What? Oh man, that must have happened when I stepped out for my coffee break or when I went to go get water. What? I don't understand. That doesn't happen with God. God knows the, he made the universe. He invented time. Imagine that. All right. So the Holy Spirit is likewise omniscient. He knows all things, perceives all things. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. <coughs> and, um, all right. I, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because I like all the extra adjectives it adds. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. So once again, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what person perceives, knows and understands, what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him. So basically... You're the best commentary on yourself, is what this is saying. Okay, just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God, except, let's say God the Father, God the Son. No, the Spirit of God. Now, this is important because some people would say, well, yeah, the Spirit knows God. Of course he does. They're buddies. They hang out. They're together for all eternity, right? Let me illustrate this. Josh and I, my hubby, and I have known each other since college, sophomores in college. That's like 20-something years. <laughs> and in that time, we have gone through car accidents together, back surgeries. We had our first kid. Um, we, you know, cars, different, lived different places, gone on different adventures, endured different hardships, okay? So we've gotten to the point now where... I can look at Josh if I'm saying something to him, and he just kind of turns his head or he shifts his stance just slightly, just a little bit. I know what he's thinking. I'm like, oh, 
He doesn't like that idea. No, okay, all right, next. <laughs> and vice versa. He knows when I'm kind of like, if I just do a slight twitch or I say, eh, okay, all right. It's because we've gotten to know each other so well and so intimately. Yet, there are still things about my husband, who's my best friend, that I'm still discovering. I'm like, what? For example, Josh is a passionate lover of all things chocolate, right? In fact, I've had to shoo him away from going through Sophia's Easter basket stash. He's like, I'm looking for that chocolate. Where's that chocolate? <laughs> right? So he's, he loves chocolate. Loves chocolate. But I recently discovered he loves vanilla ice cream. I was like, who are you? What? But I thought you'd go for the chocolate. I'm not sharing my vanilla scoop with you, honey. You have to get your own scoop. He loves vanilla. After being together for 20-some-odd years, I just discovered that this man loves vanilla ice cream. I would have bet our house, the car, our two cats and guinea pig and dogs, that he was a chocolate ice cream guy. What happened? Well, guess what? That doesn't happen in the Trinity. That doesn't happen between the Spirit of God and God the Father and God the Son. Because there is a perfect communion that happens. And it is because the Holy Spirit is God. He's not trying to interpret, you know, God's little isms or twitches. He knows God because he is God. There is no guesswork involved. All right. Let's move on. The Spirit is everlasting and eternal. Hebrews 9.14, we're not going to look at that, but you can, if you're trying to take notes, you can write that down. And it actually says the Spirit is everlasting and eternal. So he's co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. It's not like he has a time limit, okay? All right. Um, the Spirit is omnipotent. That's a fancy way of saying all-powerful. You know, can we get the picture of the, the Casper, the friendly ghost up, please? I think a lot of times when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of, like, somebody that looks like this. He's just soft and got soft corners, and he's kind of flitty, right? Yeah. He's got big eyes. He's got this cute little smile and these cute little dimples. That's not the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at why. <coughs> All right. Let's look at uh, Luke 3, 21 through 22. So, this is when Jesus is getting baptized. And, oh, sorry, you know what? Sorry, just kidding. Put a pin in that. No, not that one. Sorry. I'm just going to take another sip of coffee here. Hold on. Just a okay, actually, Genesis 1-2, if you have it. I don't think we have it up on the screen, but let's look at that. Oh, we do? You're awesome, Crystal. Woohoo! Thank you. All right, let's look at Genesis 1 and 2, please. Or 1, yeah, okay. Now, the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, so we read that maybe. We've read that a thousand times in Sunday school and heard it a thousand times. We're like, yeah, okay. This is the first mention of anybody in the Godhead. God the Father is not listed first or mentioned first. Jesus the Son is not listed. It is the Spirit of God 
This is the Holy Spirit. He gets the first mention. And what is he doing? Is he like, can I, can I do stuff, God? Can I do stuff? No. He is doing his thing. He is hovering over the waters. He's getting ready to create. You know, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, right, um, there's the good wizards and the bad wizards, right? And so the bad wizards, all they can do is take, well, and it goes back further, right? <clears throat> so there was this guy that wanted to create little beings for himself, and he couldn't. So what he could do, though, was take, not the orcs, what are they called? The elves. He took the elves, and he corrupted them and turned them into the orcs, which give me nightmares still, right? And they were saying that that was a true mark of power, is if you could create out of nothing. Satan can't create anything. He can just take and rip off. He can't create anything ex nihilo. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's not like, oh, cool. Thanks, God, for giving me this lump of Play-Doh. I'm going to make something out of this. He is creating ex nihilo. He is creating matter. He is creating something out of nothing. That is something that is reserved for God alone. Only God alone can do that. Okay. All right. Now, let me just say, too, um, I'm saying that God is not, God the Spirit is not, uh, well, this is the fourth point. So if you're taking notes, mark this down as your fourth point. <laughs> okay. The Holy Spirit is a person, but he's not human. And we'll get back to that in a second. Let me read this quote, too, from John Bevere, the guy that did this book on um, the Holy Spirit. It's really good. I would encourage you, if you want to delve deeper in this, this is a fabulous book. He goes deep, but he keeps it simple. And then there's devotional stuff and workbook stuff in here. So if you want to, after the service, you can come up and, and, and browse through this. I would strongly encourage you to get this book. It's really profound. Anyways, he has this great quote. And he says, We sometimes conceive of the Holy Spirit as an influence proceeding from God some kind of divine mystical power, not unlike what we think of when we refer to the spirit of generosity or the spirit of competition. Okay, so maybe you're like, Michael, what are you saying? He's a person, but he's not human. What do you mean by that? Let me get to it. Okay, part of, being, part of personhood is being able to um, have will, right? I want to go here, I want to do this, and you do it or cognition, which is the ability to think and process and make determinations. Holy Spirit has all that. The Holy Spirit is able to feel, too. I can't tell you how many times I've done it, and I've heard it in sermons, or people talk about the Holy Spirit, and they're like, it, 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 it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. In John 14, chapter, we don't have to go there, chapter 14, chapters 14 and 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit not as an it, but with the pronouns he, him, or his, 19 times. If that's not indicative of personhood, I don't know what is. That's pretty telling. All right, let's delve a little deeper, though, why the Holy Spirit is a person and not a thing or an entity or an energy or an expression or a poof of whatever. <coughs> okay. Acts fifteen twenty-eight. Uh, do we have that verse? You're awesome. Thank you. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. What? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit 
That means the Holy Spirit has the ability to make valuation, to weigh stuff. You go, hmm, good, not good. Okay, all right. Okay. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burn you with anything beyond the following requirements. Okay. So that's just showing that the Holy Spirit has the ability for cognitive function. He's not just like an automaton where it's like, okay, this is the formula I'm going to plug in. This is what I'm going to do. Okay. God says if the person goes to church this much and does this and loves you this much and ties this much, okay, this is what we're going to do. The Holy Spirit is charged with giving us different gifts and abilities. Think about that. Your gifts and your abilities were given to you by the Holy Spirit. Let that ride around in your head for a little bit. That's, that's pretty heavy. <coughs> All right. First uh, Corinthians twelve eleven. Thank you. Okay. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determines. Once again, referring to the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Does it say God the Father determines? No. Does it say he, the Holy Spirit is waiting for a green light from Jesus? No. It gives the Holy Spirit complete autonomy. He's the one that gets to dole out the gifts and determine who gets what. Of course, he does this in conjunction with the God the Father and God the Son, but I'm just trying to show to you guys that the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's not a mindless poof. Okay? He's got cognitive abilities, and he's able to function autonomously. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Now, what I really want us to look at is, okay, so the Holy Spirit can be resisted, Acts 7.51. He can be quenched, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. He can be lied to, which we saw in Acts 5, right? Remember when Ananias and Sapphira lied to him? They got dropped. So don't lie to God. All right. What I want us to pay attention to, though, is Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, so we look at that maybe and we're like, okay, grieved. Okay, I get it. I know what I understand grieving. It's like a rough go of things or... You know, don't upset the Holy Spirit. Don't make him cry. Okay, I get it. We don't get the connotation that's in the Greek. In the Greek, the idea is grieving is like when you rip somebody's heart out and you step on it and you grind it up and you spit it out. And guess what? That doesn't happen between strangers. That's not the idea here. The idea is this type of grieving only happens between two people that passionately and deeply and intimately love each other. The last week I went to Starbucks and I ordered I went to another Starbucks in Claremont, not the one here because they're very nice here. So I'd ordered something. This barista had given me this cool drink she kind of made up at the Starbucks here, right? On Foothill. Claremont Boulevard. So I went to another Starbucks, and I ordered the same drink. You thought I was asking for them to make something that they had never made before. I got the what for from the barista. She's like, let me get this straight. You want me to make this and this and do this. Well, we don't do drinks like that. That's not how we do things. So I was like, look, just give me my caffeine. Or I'm going to reach through this microphone. I'm going <laughs> to... That was my Sicilian side coming out. 
right? So I was just like, look, just give me my drink. And I was miffed, right? But as soon as I got my coffee, guess what? I don't care. You can say whatever you want. I got my coffee now. I'm good. I'll see you later. I won't be coming back, but see you later. Well, guess what? She didn't grieve me. She got me upset and I was mad. But she didn't grieve me. Now, when my husband and I, and Josh is a great guy. I just want to let you guys know, what you see up here is what we get at home. It's not like he puts a different hat on. He's like, oh, I can let it be me. Oh, this is great. What you see in the pulpit is exactly what we get at home. Exactly what we get at home. Okay? All right, so my husband's a kind, gentle man. But sometimes he doesn't hear me or listen to me. Or he'll say stuff sometimes. It kind of hurts my feelings a little bit or a lot. And so me being, uh, uh, you know, I have a long memory. And then I'm Sicilian on top of it, and I'm Hungarian. <laughs> so there's a long uh, issue of heredity in my family where we just do. Okay, so my husband said something once to me that just, you know, devastated me. And I was so mad at him. I was like, I'm not sleeping in the same bed with you tonight. But I didn't say anything to him. I was just so mad because I was just so just wounded. I got my pillow. I took the blankets off the bed, and I slept on the couch. I was like, I'll show you. I'll show you. You hurt me. I'm going to go on the couch. So we talked about it. He's like, I'm sorry. I didn't even know this was a big deal. We worked it out. But here's my point. Spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, family members, my sister and I know how to push each other's buttons without even thinking about it. Bing. We're off and running, off and running to the races. Just like, we don't even have to think about it. It's just like, ding, oh, yeah, got under your skin, right? That only happens because there's an intimacy there, right? And when we are emotionally intimate with people, they can hurt us far deeper, far quicker than some barista that's like, we're not going to make that drink for you. And that's the idea here in the Greek behind don't grieve the spirit. Because we are in a deep, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, whether or not you realize it. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't hurt me. Don't grieve me like that. I am a person. I'm not going to get into today about what that means to grieve the Spirit, but I just want us to get that thought. <clears throat> All right, let's move on here. In closing, can I have the band and the ushers to come up, please? I, I want to read this quote to you from A.W. Tozer, and I just think, because we're, we're trying to figure out, we've kind of gone and done a survey of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, right? Why is it important to have a correct theology of the Holy Spirit? Because how we conceive of something, what we think of something, is how we treat that thing or person, right? That barista at Starbucks, I don't think too good of her. <laughs> So next time I see her, I'm not going to punch her. I'd like to punch her maybe. But what we think of things, what we think of people determines how we act, how we engage with them, right? So if we don't properly conceive of the Holy Spirit and think of the Holy Spirit as the congruence between the Trinity and humanity, 
we're going to be way off on our Christian walk. We can do all the great things like go to Bible study and um, feed the poor, um, do Bible study with the neighborhood kids, do week, you know, uh, midweek Bible study, all this stuff. We can do all that. That's great. But we're missing the core of who we are in Christ, which is to be indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we don't get that, we're missing the whole thing. And God says, we're, you're like clanging cymbals away from me. I'm not interested. Let me read you this quote from Tozer. A doctrine has practical value only as far as it is prominent in our thoughts and makes a difference in our lives. By this test, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, as held by evangelical Christians today, has almost no practical value at all. In most Christian churches, the Spirit is quite entirely overlooked. Whether he is present or absent makes no real difference to anyone. Brief reference is made to him in the doxology and the benediction. Further than that, he might as well not exist. I think, as we go through this five-week study of the Holy Spirit, if we properly grasp who the Holy Spirit is, wow, Claremont better watch out, Upland better watch out, Rancho better watch out. Jesus, I think we think of Jesus as like, well, he was God. Of course he did good stuff. Of course he didn't break the, you know, of course, of course he was good. Of course he survived temptation. Jesus relied exclusively on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had complete free reign in the life of Jesus. Jesus was a man. There's plenty, it was fully man, fully God. But he felt every temptation. He felt every hunger pain. He felt everything, every bit of lust when he looked at a woman. I'm sure he wanted to punch people. He got mad. I'm sure there's a little bit of Sicilian in Jesus. <laughs> but look at the life that he led. And it wasn't just because he was the son of God. It was because he fully relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And my challenge to you guys is... Press in this week to the Holy Spirit. He's not a weird wisp. He's not the cutesy, dimpled ghost. He is God Almighty, and he's waiting to do work in our hearts. All right, let's pray for the offering. Dear Jesus, God, thank you so much. We celebrated Easter last week, um, and we thank you, God, as Pastor Josh said, that that was just the beginning. Easter is just the beginning. And you said, when I go away, there's something far better that's coming. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we give to you this offering out of a place of deep gratitude. We say thank you for loving us enough not to come and do your thing and say, all right, you guys, see you later, you're on your own. But saying, I leave with you a counselor, someone who will contend for you and by your side. So, God, we joyfully give back to you as a show of how much we love you and to say thank you for first loving us, God. We love you so much. Bless this offering. In your name, amen.